G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, thanks, Matt. It's a real uh, privilege to be uh, part of this and uh, to be interviewed by you. Um, yeah, I, I was I was born in the UK, as you could probably pick up from the accent. I was born in uh, Buckinghamshire, uh, which is just north of London, in a place called Aylesbury, uh, where in fact we do have a coach ministry there, um, which is which is great uh, in my hometown. But Aylesbury, Buckinghamshire, is where I was born up, uh, brought brought up uh, for the first six years at least of my life, and then. My uh, father got a job in Brussels in um, Belgium, so we moved over there. But I was sent back to the UK uh, to boarding school. Uh, So I um, went to boarding school uh, back in the UK until I was about 18 or so. Okay, and tell us a bit about your your faith journey. Did you have like a religious upbringing? Uh, Yeah, my parents, I would describe as as absolutely uh, were Christians. They had... um, um, but they weren't. Um, they didn't impose anything on us. We did go to church as children, um, and um, yeah. And uh, I went to uh, my second boarding school was an evangelical sort of independent school, and that had a bit of an influence on me. Although, really, um, and I was confirmed as a child in the Anglican denomination, the Church of England. I was, and, and my uncle had a bit of an influence, a big influence on me, and he was really my mentor. Um, he was um, Uncle Nin, I used to call him, because I couldn't say his proper name, which was Ian, And he, when I was very young. And so he was called Uncle Nin, and he had a big influence on me. But really, when I was about 13, I turned away from God, um, and I led a very hedonistic life that was sort of dominated by going on uh, wild adventures, and uh, to be honest, you know, I really um, didn't have a very healthy approach to to women, and I, I went through a serious sort of um, uh, sort of downward spiral in the way I, I perhaps treated women, and uh, got involved in sort of serial relationships, and wasn't very um, wasn't very uh, how can I put it ethical in in that in that uh, in my approach to women. Um, yeah, and then and I got sort of yeah, I got and I sort of rejected God. I would have described myself by the time I was twenty as an atheist. Okay, yeah. and how did you turn around? How did you come back to the Lord? Well, um, so well, I was working. By, so my my goal in life at that stage was to make a lot of money, and I worked for a, a company called Knight Frank, um, and um, they I I got a job with them as a young graduate straight out of university, and uh, which was great. But uh, in about 1989, there was a downturn in the property market, and I saw some of my colleagues being made redundant. I was also in a relationship that I couldn't really get out of. Um, uh, and so I saw this, and I saw this posting that Knight Frank had to Botswana, which is in Southern Africa. And I thought, fantastic, I'll go for that posting because A, I can avoid redundancy and B, I can run away 
from this relationship. I wasn't uh, perhaps um, very morally courageous at that stage of my life. So I thought it'd be uh, easy to run away to deepest, darkest Africa and uh, and uh, do a job over there. Uh, however, when I got there, um, things weren't quite what I expected them to be. I expected to be on safari every day, <laughs> um, and um, you know, um, uh, and uh, so sort of glamorous lifestyle of an expat living out in Africa, and it wasn't like that at all. It was the job was very stressful. I was the youngest um, uh, European employee. Um, the 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 the, the, the uh, company out there was losing money. Um, my bosses seemed to be distracted and setting up their own property development company on the side. They were sending back some false books back to the London partnership. And uh, so things were really stressful. The, 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 the company in Botswana was running out of money. And when you run it, you, you've got a cash flow problem. You can't pay your bills. Uh, your contractors turn up with clubs. Oh, so really? I was faced... <laughs> Faced with uh, unhappy subcontractors and contractors turning up with literally with clubs, threatening us, threatening me. And um, I remember my my boss was hiding under his desk and uh, telling me just to pay pay off this contractor. And I had to face up to this contractor who literally had a club in his hand. And uh, so it was very stressful. I was quite lonely and depressed. I think you know I I, I knew things weren't. I had done made mistakes and uh, I, and I found myself where I had all the sort of trimmings of an expat job at a nice car, nice house. Um, but I found myself lonely. And one day I just got on my knees, literally got on my knees um, in my bedroom and, uh, and said, Lord, I remember you from when I was 13. Um, please come back into my life because uh, <laughs> I'm feeling actually quite emotional as I speak right now um, because I'd stuffed up. I know I stuffed up. I, I've led a life and I'm ashamed of what I've done. I, I'd remembered about sin and that. And I said, look, I've sinned. I've stuffed up. Um, please come back into my life. And I felt, I felt his presence in that, that, in that was in May 1990. I felt his presence while I was all alone come into my life. I, I described it as little champagne bubbles rising up in me of, of love and joy and of reassurance, assurance that yes, he was there. He was real. And so I thought, wow, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is weird. It does sound a bit weird, <laughs> um, but it was very real to me. And I, and I stumbled out of my uh, home and I went down to the supermarket where in Africa you can buy Bibles in the supermarket. So I bought a Bible um, and I started reading the Bible. I went to, along to a, a church, happened to be sort of uh, quite a lively Pentecostal church. I, I, I think I was had been filled with the Holy Spirit by myself, uh, but I wouldn't have been able to articulate that at the time. But I felt this joy, uh, as you know, as we're filled with the Spirit, we get filled with that joy, don't we? Yeah. That joy and peace and security that I hadn't, and that hole in me that I'd been trying to fill with hedonistic highs of doing crazy things and women womenizing really uh, that's what probably the term i would use um i was trying to feel with all these sorts of things that are unhealthy in the end um unhealthy to me and, and to others um uh, really that hole was filled by the holy spirit and i felt that sense of peace and joy 
And uh, I, it was very fortunate, I think, again, God had his hand in this, but I went along to this lively Baptist church. There was a uh, Pentecostal Baptist church um, with a lot of Africans, Americans, British uh, missionaries, uh, and it was, and uh, it so happened a couple of doors down from where I lived, there was a mature Christian, a little bit older than me, not much older than me, but he'd been on, he was a solid Christian, and he used to disciple me. He saw what was going on, and we read every morning, pretty much, we we got up early and read the Bible together, and we just sing, <laughs> which was, which was, uh, uh, which wasn't a great sound, but it was pleasing to the Lord. We used to sing in the morning. It was right. like a bit weird, but again, it was just at that 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 freshness. Um, yeah. Yep. Oh, that so, is wonderful, mate. What a great testimony of coming to Christ, and you know, at, at a Baptistical church. And uh, Baptistical church. T- tell us a bit about your faith journey after that. Uh, did you? Yeah. Well, end up yeah, back in the UK uh, soon after that, or? Yeah. Well, what happened is that uh, I uh, continued to work for Night Frank in Africa. Um, and, um, uh, but God had his, you know, and I, I didn't know what I, I, I was, my goal was still my purpose in life and nothing wrong with this was to make a lot of money, but, and, and to do property development, nothing wrong with that. So I'm not, you know, the, you know, some of your listeners no doubt are in property and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I just wanted to say that, but God had a different plan for me, but I, I really had not got a compassionate bone in my body. I'm not. I'm now worked for 30 years with the marginalised. Um, um, but at that point in 1990, I just didn't have a compassionate bone in my body. But but there was a rather attractive missionary girl, uh, woman, <laughs> in church. Uh, her name's Elizabeth, um, and uh, she was American. And um, and she she, she I, I wanted to take her out for a date but I because of my history I, I wanted to do everything absolutely proper and I was a bit shy I didn't want to do to launch into anything inappropriate so I was really waiting for her to make the first move and sure enough one day after church in the foyer of church she came up to me with a cup of coffee and she said oh hi Toby and um and uh, she said uh, we're looking for men for men for males to work with uh, the street kids the street children, because in Gaborone in Botswana, there were a real problem with street children, a lot of homeless kids running around in uh, sniffing glue, um, getting into trouble with the law, and the authorities didn't know what to do with them. And we were trying, she was trying to do an outreach to these kids, and she wanted some more men to help out. And But as I mentioned, I didn't really have a compassionate bone in my body, but nevertheless, <laughs> I said to her, which is, which was a bit of a lie. She, I said to her, I've always been interested in that sort of thing. <laughs> now, lying in church is not recommended, is it? Uh, no. I don't need Pastor Matt. Um, uh, it's not really what we'd encourage, but I sort of asked forgiveness at the same time. And, and, uh, and God actually had a bit of a plan for me. And because sure enough, as I went down to work with these children on the streets, they were in rags often smoking a little sort of bottle jar of glue, sort of uh, inhaling this glue in, in, and living. And the authorities would turn up with water cannon and to disperse them and lock them up. Um, in amongst those children, I found the presence of Jesus, unsurprisingly. 
um, because Jesus says in Matthew 25, um, uh, whatever you do for the least of these, you do unto me. And, 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 and I was working, started working with the least of these, but I found for me, I benefited mm-hmm. because I encountered Jesus <laughs> in such a powerful way um, that it transformed my life again. So I'd had this sort of uh, initial experience of joy and peace, as I mentioned, but this next experience was a calling. And, 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 and um, Jesus said to me, I don't want you to do property anymore. I want you to go and work with the marginalized. Wow. Uh, and so I'm going, oh, this is, this is not what I had in plan. But, but, but uh, God works in mysterious ways. He, 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 he used perhaps Elizabeth to get, uh, to get me down there to working, working with the street children. And then so I've been on a journey for the last 30 years of working with the marginalized. Mm-hmm. Like when I came back to England, I started working in night shelters. And that was, um, and then I retrained as a social worker um, in the, in the mid nineties. I met my wife in England, and I've uh, been on that journey ever since, Matt. Well, it's been inspirational to hear your story, and uh, we've only got a little bit of time left. But I just want to highlight the incredible work you're doing now. So it's a, a program called empowered faith communities and uh, you and Mark Matthews have both been coaching myself and a team from our church and yeah. I know you visited our soup kitchen recently and yeah. uh, I just have loved getting your input because you guys are not just about giving a hand out but giving a hand up to the poor. That's right, that's right yes I think lots of churches do wonderful things like you had been doing and, and are doing uh, and there's nothing there's absolutely nothing wrong with charity and benevolence we do charity i mean that's a lot of my life's been doing charitable work but there's a shift i think that that god's encouraging us to do across this nation from charity to empowerment from the social gospel uh, to discipleship to making disciples of those people who are maybe homeless living in those rooming houses that are in brisbane and in many other cities on the margins maybe struggling with mental health issues Maybe struggling with drug and alcohol issues to make to become those people, people who've been in the, on the you know, living in those on the margins there, to become to be empowered to make disciples who make disciples, and that that is that is a, a new initiative. It comes out of Coach, which is the original initiative, creating opportunities and casting hope, which is our mentoring program. This is more about. Uh, making disciples in power faith communities is more about making disciples who make disciples and we are uh, really excited to see uh, 36 little uh, not actually not that little um, quite significant yours is quite significant communities that have that have, have taken up some of those strategies of empowerment and of discipleship making and uh, we're really excited to see that that happen well, it's been so good to hear your story and what you've been doing recently. And we also just want to mention, before we wrap up, uh, you and Mark have released a, a book called Ordinary Mentoring for Extraordinary Transformations. Uh, give us a, a quick snapshot of the book. Yeah. yeah well, basically, we, uh, we've, uh, inspired, we both have uncle figures. <laughs> um, uh, actually, no longer with us anymore, but Mark had an uncle, Uncle Pat. I had my uncle, Uncle Nin, who I talked about who were really our mentors. And we've been on a journey, Mark and I, for the last 20 years of running coach, creating opportunities and casting hope. We've trained up thousands of mentors 
uh, or ordinary people, we call them friends with purpose, who've drawn alongside people doing it tough on the margins uh, to, to bring about transformation. We've seen story after story, thousands of families uh, and individuals transformed by uh, mentoring and mentors themselves being transformed. And it's a simple way, one or two hours a week, that uh, a mentor, a volunteer from a church, a Christian volunteer can go out from the church one or two hours a week and draw alongside somebody on the margins and to have a real impact and together with empowered faith communities can bring transformation to a community. And we've seen that in a number of different communities, not just the one-to-one, it's the transformation of our community as people's lives have started to flourish. They've moved away from drugs. They've moved away from homelessness, from struggle to living an empowered life with a mentor alongside them and uh, ideally in an empowered faith community where they can worship and become disciples of Jesus themselves. So that's that that, that book, the book summarizes on, uh, uh, you know, the theology behind that, why that's really important to God that uh, we think uh, of working, why churches need to work with the marginalized, but but also the sort of tips and tricks and on how to do it in your community, mm. and uh, and that's uh, that's the, the you know summary of the book. It's fantastic, um, yeah. and, and I know you guys are working with uh, Crossway Baptist Church in Melbourne, and uh, you've yeah. uh, been reaching out all across Australia. You've even launched an Indigenous initiative in Townsville recently, which yeah. I'm so glad yeah, that to was hear. on Friday yep. last week. So- um, and that was really exciting. So um, a major milestone for Coach, Creating Opportunities and Casting Hope, was uh, to join in. And it's been a four-year journey to get to where we've been, uh, the launch on last Friday, of rewriting the initiative read, uh, with the Indigenous community up there. Uh, Auntie Florence, Auntie Shirley um, have been uh, part of that, and they've they've helped us to rewrite it, make sure... Uh, the way they call it, indigenize it, I think, <laughs> the, the whole initiative so that it's appropriate um, to that community in Townsville and potentially other communities in Mount Isa and Palm Island. They're looking to, to roll it out to uh, and then perhaps uh, in other communities around Oz. Wonderful, mate. Well, if people want to find out more, the website is coachnetwork.org or they can that's search right. up. Or, or, that's right. Or EFC, it's um, if they're inter- interested in empowered faith communities, it's empoweredefc.org.au. Uh, Wonderful. And, of course, it's all connected to Crossway Baptist Church in Melbourne. People yep. can connect through there. It's been awesome hearing your story today, Toby. Thanks for joining us. You're very kind. It was a, um, really great to connect, and uh, we'll speak soon. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.